Welcome, true believers and newcomers alike. Spider-Man co-creator Stan Lee here. Once again, we find our hero Peter Parker, better known around the world as the amazing Spider-Man in a heap of trouble. But this is just the beginning, Spidey fans. So get ready for a true superhero action thriller, packed to the brim with thrills and chills, twists and turns, more super villains than you can shake a web at, and of course, Non-stop, web-slinging, wall-crawling action! Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. That's right. right. Is this our Christmas episode? No, it's not. It's our episode before a Christmas episode. This is our week before Christmas episode. Happy week before Christmas. If you're looking forward to a Classic Gaming Christmas spectacular, you'll be sorely disappointed. Sometimes that's the best part of Christmas. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Just chilling in our chilling in our studio. Like actually hanging? Yeah. So so I was trying to shimmy across a uh, broken piece of ground where there was a pipe. It was between one of the floors and mm. I uh, fell and I ended up hanging from the pipe for about four hours. Nice. That was probably when... Uh, producer doug and i went out for corn dogs yeah i didn't actually scream that loud for help um until about the three hour mark because for the first three hours i mostly just gave up that's what we usually do just give up anyway what have you <laughs> been playing recently recently seth i've been playing sonic adventure 2 via the steam deck oh my steam deck well not anymore so seth sold me his steam deck so of course i have been playing a sonic game on it don't worry folks i have another one i decided to give sonic adventure 2 a try because i like sonic adventure 2 and i thought why not play a game that i like on a new console the game is not deck verified in fact it has a little yellow exclamation point next to its name and i'm pretty sure the reason it's not verified fully yet is because when you boot the game from pc with steam or just on the steam deck it does give you a a window that you have to manually select like visual options on and control options it's a little obnoxious uh i don't know if there's a way to disable that anyway i've just been playing sonic adventure 2 it's a it's a great game the version i've been playing is the of course steam version which i believe originally came out in 2012 but the game originally originally came out on the dreamcast and was later ported over to the gamecube I own a lot of versions of Sonic Adventure 2 because I own the Dreamcast version and I own the GameCube version and I own the Steam version. So I own three versions of the exact same game. In the game, you play as various Sonic characters. There are two storylines. There's the light storyline where you can play as Sonic, Knuckles, Tails. And then there is the dark storyline where you can play as Shadow, Rouge, or Dr. Eggman. Uh, in the light storyline, you're trying to stop Dr. Eggman. And in the dark storyline, line you're not trying to stop dr eggman because you can be dr eggman are you trying to stop sonic i guess you're trying to make sure sonic doesn't stop you you're not like actively trying to thwart any plans that sonic has because sonic's plans are just to make sure you don't have plans i do you have plans yeah you blow up the moon 
that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do it as a threat. Wait, you blow up a moon as a threat? Yes. If that's a threat, what is the action that you would do if you weren't? You would point it at people. Oh, oh, I see. So he destroyed the ecology of the world. Well, he destroyed only half the moon. The rest of the moon's still there. But in the game, Dr. Robotnik has discovered the Space Colony Ark, which is an abandoned space colony that we talked about in our Sonic Lore episode. Uh, And the abandoned space colony was run by Robotnik's grandfather, Gerald Robotnik. And when he discovers the space colony, he also discovers Gerald's secret project, Project Shadow, which was a artificial light form kind of hedgehog guy. Like, He's a hedgehog that Gerald made for some reason. And you unleash Shadow and Shadow does a bunch of bad stuff and Sonic gets the blame for it because people can't tell the difference between a blue hedgehog or a black hedgehog with red stripes. And Sonic gets the blame, gets chased by the police. And yeah, that's that's how a lot of the game goes. It's like actually a whole bunch of different stories that kind of merge together where like, like Knuckles, for example, his storyline is just the Master Emerald has broke. So he's got to put it back together. And he eventually does like, collide with sonic and tails and everyone he's like okay i'll help you guys too because it's you know serves my interests and similar to rouge the bat she's also trying to collect the pieces of the master emerald because she wants to sell it for money and her her stuff kind of collides with robotnik and shadow and she kind of helps them out as well it's a fun game it's very melodramatic at times but overall i like it and it's been fun to play in the steam deck Uh, it runs very well in the steam deck i have not had any issues anyway seth what about you what have you been playing Recently, I've been playing Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader, which was released on December 7th of this year, uh, which is 2023, since it's going to be 2024 soon and people might be listening to this episode in the future. It was made with a close partnership with Games Workshop and was developed by Alcat Games, who developed the two Pathfinder games, the Wrath of the Righteous and then the Kingmaker uh, Pathfinder game. Both of those games are very good CRPGs that take place in the Pathfinder universe and and Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader takes place in the Warhammer 40k universe because it's there right there in the title. So you play as a rogue trader, which is a weird thing in the Warhammer 40k world. They're essentially pirates that have the rights to everything that they conquer in the space that nobody goes to. The rogue traders show up and they just they can take over planets or ships and they are now in charge of those and they can take it from other rogue traders. So you play as a rogue trader trader who's related to this other rogue trader who's like a really powerful rogue trader and you're in line to inherit their rogue trading business so i created a character who was a an an admiral as his job you have to be a human you can't play an alien race which i guess the warhammer 40k world they really don't like xenos you have to play as a a human and you can play as like a a commissar you could play as a commander i'm deciding to play as an admiral and i thought you know what every admiral needs as their first name captain so i called myself captain Uh, i think i just did captain lock because that's like my default name and then the best part was in the game my character was also already a captain 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 commodore captain what's great is his title's really long in the game so it just makes his title look even more ridiculous because he's like it's like a commodore of a very specific ship of a very specific fleet kind of thing so it's like commodore captain of the void walker stalker blah 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 it just like goes on and i was like well it fits but then 
you meet another you meet a lord captain so the people are like oh we can't call you captain captain anymore but because my name is captain they still have to refer to me as captain <laughs> so there's just a lot of nuances with that played about an hour and a half of it so far it has like XCOM like combat uh, which where it's turn based and you have so many action units and you move around um, it's farther zoomed up because it's a it's a CRPG so it's a little more pulled back a bit isometric view but I've only put about an hour into it because I am still trying to wrap up Baldur's Gate 3 which I am very close to so I don't want to start another large overarching role-playing game until I beat one overarching role-playing game uh so I've been trying to wrap up BG3 once I wrap up BG3 I'll probably either play Rogue Trader or play Starfield based on how I'm feeling and try to get into one of those games a little more in depth because I haven't given either of those games the times that they require. And then I think I'll, I'll probably end up going back to BG3 and where I'll play, I'll start my uh, my evil characters run. Nice. It'll probably be a little more quicker because my current BG3 run is extensive. Where I'm doing a lot of side quests. <laughs> so when I go through an evil game, I probably won't do as many side quests. Well, in today's episode, we're talking about something very different. We're talking about a, a game that came out back in 2000, and it is featuring everyone's favorite superhero, Spider-Man. And that game is, in fact, called Spider-Man. Plain and simple. In terms of memories, Seth, do you remember anything about the game from 2000 Spider-Man? Do I remember anything about the 2000 Spider-Man? Yeah, we owned it. I remember... Didn't Stanley shout at you? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, I remember Stanley shouting, God rest his soul. And I also remembered getting the different colored suits. I really liked the white and blue suit. Um, and I think the... The different color suits gave you different powers? Some of them did, yeah. And I think the white and blue suit allowed you to shoot ice. There's one that makes you shoot fire, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that was the one that looks like cold, but I do remember a white and blue suit. I enjoyed it. I feel like I also remember the fog of war well there's like an evil fog i don't i don't know if it's a fog of, it's not fog of war but well i mean it's the fog of draw distance yeah 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 and i remember all the different cutscenes that you have with all the different characters through this spider-man worlds where you have to go and talk to i feel like rhino was kind of silly in that game rhino was kind of silly in that game I think that Rhino's always kind of silly. <laughs> rhino is kind of always silly. I mean, his he he's literally just a man dressed as a rhino. <laughs> yeah, he's like um, very close to being a couple of children's parties away from an entertainer. Yeah, I mean, if he wasn't like majorly buff. <laughs> Are you saying that children's entertainers can't be majorly buff? I don't know. I'd feel a little threatened if a clown walked in and he was jacked like the rock. He's, he's not a clown. He's an animal. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you need a clown, you'd probably get somebody like Shocker or someone. Yeah, Shocker is a clown. Anyway, I remember the copy that we had was the N64 copy. I remember it being very fun. I remember used uh, playing it a lot usually i would use cheats a family friend of ours had the ps1 version and i was actually kind of jealous of it because the ps1 version not only had uh, cutscenes that were fully animated but also fully voice acted whereas the n64 version has cutscenes that are done in the style of comic strips which are nice but they're 
not fully voice acted. I also remember that the easiest setting in the game is called kid mode. And when you choose kid mode, a voice says, kid mode. Thinking about it, I'm like, man, if I let things like that get under my skin, I would have been annoyed by that voice. I also remember there are some fun secrets in the game, uh, like finding the goblin's lair in a crane. And when you get into the goblin's lair, you can find a comic book cover for the first appearance of the green goblin. And then there's also another point in the game where you can go to the Baxter building and uh, you can just hang out there. Just like the top of the Baxter building. And there's also a comic book cover for the first appearance of Spider-Man, which was uh, like the first issue of Spider-Man, not the first appearance of Spider-Man, but the like Amazing Spider-Man number one, which features the Fantastic Four. Getting into the history of the game, not too long ago in episode 195, we talked about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and we covered the early history of Neversoft. As a reminder though, for those who might not have listened to that episode or don't have great memories, Neversoft was founded in California by three employees of the company Malibu Interactive. These employees were Joel Jewett, Chris Ward, and Mick West. Their earliest game was developed for Playmates Interactive for an abandoned toy line called Skeleton Warriors. Their game, also called Skeleton Warriors, was released for the Sega Saturn and PS1 in 1996. Their next game, which was going to be based on Ghost Rider for Crystal Dynamics, was canceled due to financial issues. They then had a few bad years, uh, which included porting the game MDK and the port taking way too long. Neversoft at some point was about to run out of money when they ended up getting to a deal with Activision to create a game called Apocalypse. However, before they began working on Apocalypse, they also started developing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and eventually would release both Apocalypse and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. The game that did it better was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and that ended up basically saving Neversoft. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was a huge success for Neversoft, and, it, and their next game would also be another big hit, and largely due to the IP associated with it. The Amazing Spider-Man comic started in March of 1963, with the character first debuting in 1962 in Amazing Fantasy, issue 15. For those unfamiliar, the comic was created by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee, and follows the adventures of a costume vigilante by the name of Spider-Man. Spider-Man was unique at the time, as he wasn't some millionaire with some love of bats, nor super-powered alien with a jawline. We're referencing Batman and Superman, if you didn't get that. Uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man's alter ego is a nerd who's mostly just trying to survive high school when he gets bitten by a radioactive spider that gives him abilities and then over the course of the years from the 1963 ish to 2023 he will get bitten by many spiders man it's terrible life <laughs> to go to a lot of high schools sometimes college sometimes he trades bodies with a villain and then dies by the time neversoft was formed spider-man was already very much a household name there were tv shows both live action and animated with the ones coming out in the 80s being the best spider-man and his amazing friends and there was a few made for tv movies spin-offs comics toys and of course video games because here's the deal. When you wanted to make a lot of money, especially back in the 80s, you could just have cartoons, video games, and toys. Because you could market them all at the same time. The first time Spider-Man graced everyone's TV via a video game was... 20 years after the character made his debut in 1982. Spider-Man for the Atari 2600 was developed by the Parker brothers, who may have been related to Spider-Man. Maybe. And the game puts you against the Green Goblin as you the player, move Spider-Man up a skyscraper. Very robust. Hey, for 1982, 
No, it's not a bad game either. Uh, another early appearance of Spider-Man in video games would be in 1989's Revenge of Shinobi for Sega Genesis. Oh yeah, everybody comes into that game. Yeah, yeah, everyone truly does. In this appearance, Spider-Man is a boss that you have to fight. Also, Batman is in it as a boss, and so is Godzilla. <laughs> And, like, a ton of other references. Spider-Man in the game crawls along on the ceiling, throws webbing at you, and occasionally drops down, and you get a chance to hit him. The character appeared without the consent of Marvel, which is nowadays not a good thing to do, but back in the late 80s, Marvel probably didn't care too much. But later releases do include a copyright notice that say that Spider-Man is copyright of Marvel. Now, Spidey would go on to make his first NES appearance in 1992 for the game Spider-Man Return of the Sinister Six, published by LJN. The game is a platform where you must go against the titular Sinister Six, this time consisting of Electro, Sandman, Mysterio, Vulture, Hobgoblin, and Dr. Octopus. I say this time because the Sinister Six is not always the same six. I think Dr. Octopus is usually always in the Sinister Six, but it varies in terms of who else is in the Sinister Six, I've noticed. The game Return of the Sinister Six was ported to the Master System and the Game Gear. Spider-Man would continue to appear in various games and cartoon makers throughout parts of the early 1990s and into the early 2000s. I wonder why would he get the Sinister Eight if he's Dr. Octopus? I feel like I know, right? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe maybe Dr. Octopus is bad at counting. Is there a guy that flies around? He's the beetle, right? What's his name? I think that's Beetle. Oh, it's just Beetle. Yeah. Not to be confused with Blue Beetle. He should form the Sinister Six because he has six legs. Oh, he should. Beetle. I don't really think Beetle does much. No, I think he, I feel like Beetle in the Spider-Man world is kind of like Cobalt Man in the X-Men world or like a bestest man in the Fantastic Four world. Going back to Spider-Man in video games, one of the reasons that there were some hiatuses in Marvel producing Spider-Man video games or video games in general was because toward the tail end of the 1990s, Marvel almost uh, closed due to bankruptcy. This may come as a surprise to fans of the comic book giants today, but in the 90s, largely due to speculation bubble and oversaturation of titles, Marvel was almost no more and completely wiped out. Yeah, and this is not something that will only impact Marvel in the 90s. Uh, It will impact Marvel again in the 2000s, where they would have to essentially license off their properties to companies like Fox and Sony in order to get money yeah. to be able to get out of trouble and eventually leads to their purchase by Disney. And now Disney is doing something that Marvel did back in the 90s and oversaturate the market with titles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Marvel Marvel made some dumb choices and now Disney's making those choices for them. Now, Marvel like uh, Neversoft, would not go bankrupt, as evident by its continued operation today. And in 1998, it was announced that Neversoft was working on a new game featuring everyone's favorite web-slinger. The game would be built on the same engine as Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. The connections to Tony Hawk wouldn't stop there, as Spider-Man would later be included as a character in Pro Skater 2, and a reference to the Tony Hawk games would be included in the final version of Neversoft Spider-Man. Music for the game would be composed by Howard Yolate and Tommy Tallarico and was largely was inspired by new metal and industrial rock. A remixed version of the 1960s Spider-Man animated series theme song would serve as the theme song for the game with the remix being done by Apollo 440. The 
game also has voice acting, and the PlayStation, PC, and Dreamcast versions have fully 3D rendered cutscenes. However, the cutscenes for the N64 version are done in the style of still comic panels and don't contain voice acting because it's on a cartridge. Now, there are, however, still in-game voiceover work, which was impressive for being a cartridge. The narrator is none other than... Stan the Man Lee, who, according to Chad Findlay, the lead designer of the game, gave every line he read 110%, and that uh, he would not move on until he gave it the delivery he thought it deserved. I mean, Stan Lee gave even his lines and his cameos up until his death. The oh, lines yeah. He loved he doing deserved. those cameos. Other cast members include Jennifer Hale as Black Cat and Mary Jane Watson, reprising her role as Black Cat from the 1994 animated series, and Mary Jane from the Spider-Man Unlimited. Ephraim Zimelis Jr. as Dr. Octopus, reprising his role from the 1994 animated series. Darren Norris as Venom, Mysterio, Scorpion, Punisher, Human Torch, and Captain America. And D. Bradley Baker as Carnage, J. Jonah Jameson, Lizard, Daredevil, and Rhino. Spider-Man is voiced by Reno Romano, who also was the voice of Spider-Man in the TV show Spider-Man Unlimited. Uh, the game is very much like a reunion for Spider-Man Unlimited in 1994 animated series Spider-Man. So if you like those shows, you'll probably like this game. Now, the game did go through some changes in development. According to an interview with Chad Finley, conducted by the YouTube channel Always Nerdy, the developers came up with a list of characters that they wanted to include in the game, reportedly with around 50 different characters because the story hadn't been finished yet so they were just coming up with characters they thought would be fun to include in the story and came up with this big list marvel per chad didn't reject any so they would send over the list of characters they thought would be fun to include and marvel was like we don't care and when they finally did finish the story they still had according to chad like 30 something characters that they wanted to keep in the game in some form um so they had to trim it down a little bit more but this ultimately led to the development of what if mode which of course is based on the comic series what if complete with the fact that when you start what if mode uatu the watcher provides the narration instead of stan lee that's fun and he's another character <laughs> in the what if mode the game uh plays pretty much the same except there are changes uh for example characters that weren't included in the main storyline now appear in the main storyline such as if you go to the baxter building the human torch will be there and he'll chat with you for a bit uh there's a, also a couple other sequences that don't happen such as a scene where spider-man break dances for some reason yeah and in the very first what if comic that was ever written the what if was what if spider spider-man joined the fantastic four yeah it is it's it's a pretty silly comic, especially the early what ifs. Now, another element added to the game was, as Seth had remembered, a variety of costumes for Spider-Man, um, some providing additional abilities. These outfits included Ben Riley's Spider-Man outfit, both his Scarlet Spider suit and a, another suit that he wore, the Bombastic Bagman from The Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1, number 258, Spider-Man's Secret War symbiote outfit, Spider-Man Unlimited's outfit, Spider-Man 2099's outfit, Captain Universe, Peter Parker out-of-costume outfit, and Quick Change Spidey, where Peter Parker is wearing his street clothes but has a Spider-Man costume underneath his street clothes, so it looks like Spider-Man is in a suit. I think that the Peter Parker out-of-costume outfit, he is not wearing shoes. <laughs> I think you're right, yeah. <laughs> Seth, I think the costume you might be remembering is there's also, I think, like a metal Spider-Man outfit where he is blue and white. Oh, Kinda yeah. Kind of looks like he's made of ice. 
that's the costume I'm remembering, but he's metal Spider-Man. I feel like there was a lot of metal in N64, like characters becoming metal in N64. People loved metal people. The costumes would be unlocked by completing tasks in the game or finding secrets, or you could just cheat like i did there was a cheat where you can just unlock all the costumes there are also some comic book covers that you could find in various spots these covers are themed on the level you're in or a character you encounter in this level so for example when you encounter the symbiotes you will find a comic based on the first appearance of the symbiotes when you encounter dr octopus you will find a comic about the first appearance of dr octopus there's also the first appearance of spider-man like comic cover in the first level somewhere (laughs) so it's they try to keep the comic covers in theme with what's going on in the game. The earliest version of the game that is known is there is footage that was featured on a demo disc that was released in Germany. Some of the changes that are found in the footage that is different from the game that was would go on to be released is that there's a different model for Scorpion based on his original appearance with a completely green outfit. They have placeholder music and some other content that was cut from the final game. A version of the game was also developed for the Game Boy Color, as the Game Boy Color could not possibly replicate the gameplay of a version for the PC Dreamcast N64 PlayStation 1. It features substantially different gameplay, with an entirely game being a platformer with some of the levels from the games being replicated in 2D styles. The PS1 version and the Game Boy Color version of the game were released in September of 2000. The N64 version released in November of 2000. The Dreamcast version released in May of 2001. And the Windows version released in September of 2001. A Mac OS X port was also released in January of 2002. Now, I also know that each of the games, as we mentioned before, some of the games had cutscenes, some of them just had the comic book panels. The Dreamcast version, I think, is also has better graphics. So the Dreamcast version has substantially better graphics to the PS1 and N64 version, yes. But the PC version is identical to the Dreamcast version. To the version. Dreamcast version, yes. The yes. PC version uses the Dreamcast version and Black Cat and Mary Jane are two different models in the Dreamcast version but in the N64 version and the PlayStation 1 version they are the same character model that was very buxom. I do think it's funny that they are the same character model because it's the same voice actress so yeah they're like whatever. Mary Jane is just also secretly Black Cat. No, I think Felicity Hardy is secretly black. (laughs) Yes, very true. Now, Spider-Man is an action-adventure game where you take on the role of the titular Spider-Man. Your job is to swing around and fight bad guys, because that's what Spider-Man does. The game plays in a third-person perspective. Levels are big, at least for the time, with the first stage almost feeling open-world to... A point, um, though there are some obvious restrictions. You can only go to some buildings and you can't go to other buildings. And if you go too far, you die. So one of these restrictions is that, and this restriction is actually backed up by the plot, Spider-Man can't go to the ground of the city. He can only swing around from top of the buildings. The reason Spider-Man can't go to the ground of the city is because there is a ugly fog that has engulfed the city. And this is a plot point. This isn't just like the game can't render 
buildings, which was true, but also it's a plot point that there is an ugly fog that has engulfed the entire city. In terms of his abilities, Spider-Man is able to use all the abilities you might be familiar with from the comics. He can swing, he can climb, he can shoot web. His webbing abilities are kind of interesting. He has one where he can wrap up an enemy until they're incapacitated. Another is he pulls an enemy toward them and then he punches them. He can also create a projectile web ball that does uh, decent damage. And another ability to create a dome of web that will explode and do an area of effect damage. There are also portions of the game with stealth where you must avoid raising attention to yourself or run the risk of hostages being killed or a bomb being detonated. If you run out of webbing to tie people up, no worries, Spider-Man has the thing that he always also carries with him, his fists, and you can beat enemies up. Now, the story itself involves Spider-Man being accused of stealing equipment from Dr. Octavius during an expo. Eddie Brock, working as a photographer, has his camera smashed by Spider-Man, he gets really mad, and he turns into Venom. Spider-Man wants to prove his innocence, so he sets out on a journey to figure out who stole the equipment, and also, who stole his identity. At the same time, a mysterious fog, as mentioned, has engulfed the city. As Spider-Man, you team up occasionally with Black Cat, who mostly just comes in to tell you stuff and then she goes away, so it's not really teaming up. And the first thing she does tell you about is a robbery being conducted by the Jade Syndicate. After you fight the robbers, uh, you then have to go save J. Jonah Jameson, who's being attacked by Scorpion. After you go save J. Jonah Jameson, Daredevil shows up and you say hi to him for a bit. And then you have to go to save Mary Jane from Venom, because Venom still thinks that you broke Eddie Brock's camera, but then Venom realizes that you didn't do it, and it's all a big misunderstanding, and you kind of team up with Venom. And then you fight the Rhino, and then you meet the Lizard, and the Lizard is just kind of like chilling, and he's not mad at you or anything, he's just there. And then you find out that it was Mysterio who stole your identity the whole time. After you finally defeat Mysterio, uh, symbiotes began to flood the street. It's revealed that the fog was actually designed to help control the New York population to make them easily able to be adapted to by the symbiotes. You must then go stop the symbiotes and uh, you find out that they are being controlled, in fact, by Dr. Octopus and Carnage, who've decided to team up. After you defeat Dr. Octopus, him and Carnage fuse together and create Monster Oc. That is this giant scary thing that you don't even fight, you just run away from and then it dies. Then the game ends, and it's all a good day. The very last scene of the game is you're just chilling with, like, Captain America, the Human Torch, Black Cat, and some other superheroes, and you're just having a pizza party, and you're all dancing. And then it cuts to, like, all of the prisoners in jail, and they're complaining about how bored they are. It's very good. <laughs> Aren't they also playing a game in jail? They're playing Go Fish. <laughs> Yeah. Now, to talk about how well Spider-Man did, Spider-Man scored very well. All the versions of the game received 4 out of 5 stars from the publication All Game. EGM gave the Dreamcast version a 7.5 out of 10, the N64 version a 7 out of 10, and the PS1 version a 7.83 out of 10. Next Generation rated the Dreamcast and PS1 version a 4 out of 5. IGN at the time called the PS1 the best Spider-Man game and ranked that version 9 out of 10. However, they rated the Dreamcast version as a 8.4 out of 10, largely complaining that the game isn't that different from the PS1 version, despite the better hardware, the improved graphics, and the changes in the models. Uh, they also rated the PC version a 6 out of 10, complaining that it is a one-for-one -one port of the Dreamcast version with zero differences, which I believe is accurate. According to an IGN article from the time, Spider-Man held the number two position for games sold by third-party publishers in the time between September 3rd to September 9th of 2000. 
2000. The article also mentions that Spider-Man was number four on the top 10 PlayStation titles of the summer of that same year. Activision would, as IGN noted, be the only U.S. publisher to show triple-digit year-over-year growth on a monthly basis in dollars for the last 10 consecutive months. In Europe alone, it sold over 300,000 copies, earning the game a platinum award from the Entertainment and Leisure Software Publishers Association. In terms of legacy, Spider-Man did well enough that it got three sequels. Not like Spider-Man 2, 3, and 4. No, it got two sequels called Spider-Man 2 and a third sequel that did not have a number. The first sequel was released in 2001 and was a sequel exclusively to the Game Boy Color version called Spider-Man 2 The Sinister Six. I'm going to spoil it for you. The Sinister Six are in that one. The other sequel, also called Spider-Man 2, but this time called Enter Electro, came out in 2001 but for the PS1. Was Electro in that one? Spoiler alert, Electro shows up. A third, completely standalone sequel came out also in 2001 but this time for the game boy advance called spider-man mysterio's menace and i'm gonna throw a hardball at you mysterio is the villain in that one so isn't every iteration of any game after the first spider-man if it's got spider-man in it couldn't it just also be a sequel as long as it doesn't cover the same events that happened in the first game yeah i guess so and i think i don't even think in the first game it covers him getting bitten by a spider i think you you literally start as spider-man on a rooftop for the first level he's also older spider-man in this game he's already married to mary jane oh yeah yeah that's right and he's like cheating on her with black cat yeah which is classic (laughs) spider-man but yeah so i feel like every game that follows the spider-man could just be spider-man and it's just implied that it's the sequel now there has been talk of doing a remaster of the 2000 spider-man game but Chris Finley has stated that it would likely be a nightmare due to the fact that just the licensing and approval process alone would be a problem. Activision held the license for Spider-Man until 2014. And so once they lost it, it was on to the next. And more Spider-Man games would eventually come out in the years that followed. And I guess you could pretend they're sequels to this one, but they are different canons. They have different actors and everything. I do think that the um, the more recent Spider-Man games, the one that have been released by Insomniac, do have some references to these classic games. While there isn't like overt references to them, at least on the that I can remember. There's a sequence in the Insomniac game where you're fighting Mysterio and he does in fact flood the city or at least he floods your imagination with images of the city being filled with a dangerous fog. And it kind of reminds me of imagery from the PS1 game and I think that's intentional. Now, that will do it for our Spider-Man uh, The Neversoft game episode. Uh, we're going to move into our retro rewind. So Seth had me play Star Wars Dark Forces. Developed by LucasArts in 1995 for MS-DOS, the game is basically Doom, but with Star Wars paint. You play as everyone's favorite asshole, Kyle Katarn, who's on a quest to steal the Death Star plans, which uh, was retconned in Rogue One, so Kyle Katarn no longer gets the responsibility of stealing the Death Star plans. I like Dark Forces. It's a fun game. Arguably, it's a game that holds up very well, but also, I don't think it's the best one of the series, because you don't even get a lightsaber (laughs) and i prefer jedi outcast if you had to line up all the dark forces games in a row it would go jedi outcast jedi academy which kyle katarn is in but you don't even play as him jedi knight and then dark forces so i gave you your worst favorite there's all still great games like i love them they're not bad games like you know it's it's not a terrible game it's just not my favorite because i prefer being able to use the force i am however very excited for the remaster from night dive i think that's going to be a lot of fun i can't wait to pick it up i 
definitely am going to pick it up. And I hope they eventually do remaster some of the other games. I kind of want to see a remaster of Jedi Knight, to, uh, Jedi Knight and uh, maybe even do a remaster of Jedi Outcast would be kind of cool with updated, like an updated engine or something. Does Dark Forces hold up? Absolutely. It holds up very well. It's a very fun game. Go pick it up if you haven't played it yet or wait for the remaster or whatever. Uh, Seth, next week you can play X-Men 2 Clone Wars for the Sega Genesis. Zach had me play Super Star Wars for the SNES developed by Sculpture Software and published either by JVC or LucasArts depending on what you pick up. Zach didn't tell me which Super Star Wars I had to play since there's three of them so I played Super Star Wars period. I, is that the New Hope one? Isn't that just called Super Star Wars? Yeah. So there's Super Star Wars, Super Empire Strikes Back and Super Return of the Jedi. You were playing Super Star Wars. Arguably they're all Super Star Wars. I played the original uh, Super Star Wars was released in 1992 and it's a very nostalgic game for me since we used to play them at our family friend's house. I think they had all three. They are tough. They're notoriously tough since the game is a running gun game that you actually have to play slowly which is against what most running gun games have you do. But if you play a running gun game, so if you play like, I don't know, like Gunstar Heroes or something like that and then you play this, you're running through and you're like going through the level real fast, you're shooting, you're dodging. If you do that with Super Star Wars, you will die. The spawn rate is higher for all the creatures and your jump is delayed because your character actually has to bend their sprite before they jump. And if you don't know they do that, you're going to die in the platforming section. It makes the game very difficult. Uh, the whole series is pretty difficult. I always, when I was a child, enjoyed the Mode 7 land speeder section where you fly around with the land speeder. I only enjoyed it as a child because I thought it was cool that it changed from the side scroller to the land speeder in the 3D. However, as an adult, I just get confused with what I have to do in trying to find all the Jawas. The game definitely holds up, uh, especially if you like platformers in Star Wars. Uh, you do have to slog through the desert part of the game which is the first part so the probably the toughest part of the game or at least like the part where the flaws of the game really shine are right in the beginning and the game does get better you eventually get to unlock Han and Chewie and then you get to go through the Death Star and it really represents the movies in a fun way unlike the future Super Star Wars games uh, Super Empire and Super Return the original Super Star Wars covering the events of the New Hope does not have a password system Empire and Return do so if you play OG style then it makes the game that much more difficult but if you have save states and all that, have fun. It's a great game. It's a lot of fun. Love blasting people in it. Next week, Zach, you can play Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for the Sega Genesis. Okie dokie. Now, thank you everyone for tuning in to Classic Gaming Brothers. Be sure to uh, let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you remember playing Spider-Man? Do you remember playing Spider-Man? Spider-Man? Spider-Man! Be sure to let us know your memories of Spider-Man and other games. And by doing so, you can email classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com or you can reach out to us via X at CG Brothers Pod, Blue Sky at CG Brothers Pod, or Facebook and Instagram at Classic Gaming Brothers. We're available wherever podcasts can be found out there, be it iHeartRadio, Podbean, or iTunes. And of course, be sure to check out our website, ClassicGamingBrothers.com. We have a website store where you can buy merch if you want a t-shirt with our face on it for Christmas. It sounds like a terrible gift. That's worse than getting coal. Anyway, Seth, did I forget something? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. We've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We have. That's, That's right.